Hey, welcome back to The New Deal, a podcast designed for filmmakers by filmmakers, where we chat with alumni from FSU's film program to share their experiences in the industry. My name is Ren Ostman. And I'm Nikki Lee. This is the second part of our Triune episode featuring interviews with students who graduated a year ago. Each of them now live and work in the three major industry cities, New York, Atlanta, and Los Angeles. Today's guest, Jared Hopkins, lives in Atlanta. He graduated last year with a BFA in production and currently works as a union electrician. Hi, Jared. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Hello. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to start you off with our first question. We ask everyone we talk to this. What was the first film you made and what was the significance of it? The first film I remember making was uh, World War II drama started in eighth grade and I think finished filming it in like 10th grade. It was about some, it was called Letters to Home. It was about a World War II private who got sent into war and then wrote letters to his wife, uh, who was named Wife in the script. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. It was awful, but uh, it was the first thing that I really like finished from beginning to end type of thing. So my first film was a 30-second PSA about the bubble apocalypse, and you just went ahead and, like, made Dunkirk in eighth grade. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Very <Bad> patriotic. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not. Okay, so you made your first film, and then now you're looking into uh, picking a film school out of uh, graduating high school. So uh, how did you end up at Florida State? Well, I had scholar. So I'm from Florida. I grew up in Orlando. Um, grew up in Orlando all my life. And so there's a lot of just like scholarship stuff with my parents. There was Florida prepaid and there's a thing called Bright Futures if you get a certain score on uh, SAT, ACT. So it was like, I had my choice of colleges, but it had to be in Florida. Um, and I wanted, I, I'm pretty sure I knew I wanted to go to film school since I guess freshman year of uh, high school. FSU was kind of the only option that I saw. So before you graduated from Florida State, how did you decide where you wanted to go after that? For thesis, I was really starting to get into uh, lighting. So I figured that that was starting to be a good path for me, a good entry path into the film industry. And um, so as that was happening, I was sort of comparing and contrasting maybe to three LA, New York, and Atlanta, and sort of felt like Atlanta was maybe the place for uh, to go for for that type of route into you know, BTL crewing and, uh, you know, being a SLT lighting tech. I believe you had mentioned to me in the past you entered into FSU with the expectation of directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're in the throes of graduation looking at lighting. How did that sort of mold and how did they come together? I'm, I'm assuming you're not abandoning directing. Going into film school, I didn't even think about lighting. I didn't even think about any of the other jobs, really. I don't know. Maybe I should have, but I I just didn't think of it. Maybe because I didn't even know the other jobs. Going through, and I I feel like there's maybe a maturing process that happens throughout school. You get humbled a little bit. I I just felt like, all right, I like lighting. It'll be a great way to pay rent. I don't know. It just didn't feel like I was uh, more than maybe I thought taking a step away from like the directing dream. It was just, it was all part of the process for me about sort of rounding out my skill set. And, you know, especially being young, it's like people are willing to teach me still. Most people who come out of film school, I feel like, who are interested in directing kind of go more of the route of an office, something mm-hmm. like a 
director's assistant, a producer's assistant, something in development. Yeah. You chose lighting specifically because you really like that work, but were there any other like reasons that led you to believe that this would be a positive kind of move for the rest of your career? The film industry from what I've picked up on right now wants you to they want you to be one thing. They want you to be this and that's what they'll know you by and then you're that until you're sad and 50 years old and six divorces in and then you're done. You know, like that's you see that a lot. Um, or at least that's what I've seen with a lot of BTI. It's it's sort of sad. The old guys are washed up and they're sad and they're bitter and they're they've had a hard life. So with that being said, like I think I view it as this is just part of my career. I'm a musician as well. I like doing a lot of music. So I sort of view lighting as sort of a musical type of thing where it can convey emotion and it can convey story points and mixes technical just as directing. You know, you're mixed with camera, you're, you're talking to camera, you're talking to lighting, you're talking to everything. So I just felt like, I mean, if I can be frank, it'd be a great way to make money because PAing is like 150 a day, you know, before taxes. So it's like, it was a good investment, a good skill set. I don't see myself doing it for 40 years until I die, but I do feel like it's, it's, I don't know, it's just like paying attention on set. You can think, you know, I'm doing this. Okay, how does that affect the image? And how does that make me feel? And, you know, you can think about directing and when you're writing about, you know, still the mood and what you want it to look like. So I, I don't see it as super separate from any other aspect of filmmaking. No, that's a great perspective, and that's what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to go to mentality, too, of those men that you mentioned are, like, broken down and beaten into this idea. And uh -huh. I think as long as you kind of hold to that pure intent that you are like, I want to be a director, I want to be other things, not just this one thing, mm -hmm. I think that will realize itself and yeah. evolve. But like, we're also still 20 maybe, years old yeah. and idealistic, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just blind optimism and, like, whatever, but we'll I just cling to it can't as long believe. as we can. Yeah. You know, as soon as you make your job, your, like, whole identity, that's when you're sort of trapped into doing it because, like, what if it stops? Then who are you? So, uh, I don't know. It's good to be a little bit separated from your identity and your job. It sort of goes back to what I was saying where, like, film wants you to be one thing and then you'll be known around town as that one thing, but if you sort of you know, you don't walk around saying, well, I want to do this. But, you know, once you find people that are trustworthy and not going to badmouth you, you kind of go, hey, what side project are you working on? And then it becomes more of a creative community. And you also surround yourself with an artistic community. BTL crew life is, uh, there's still a lot of creative people out there that can, that you find fun things to do with. I would 100% agree with that. In any city, not just Atlanta or LA or New York. Yeah. How was the transition from Tallahassee to Atlanta? It was good. I didn't go home. I decided just to stay in Tally for a month and try to get all the the moving plans worked out. And I had used that time as well with a couple other classmates to go visit Atlanta and try to meet with some alumni that were doing what I was doing. And even ones that weren't doing what I was doing. It's it's such a small I mean, I don't know. It feels like all towns are small in the sense you hear you start once you're there for a year, you start hearing the same name. So it was just good to meet everyone and anyone that you could. But yeah, no. So it was it was a pretty OK transition. Once I actually got up there and got to the place, it was a very slow beginning, but sort of a logarithmic curve of getting things done or starting starting to find work you know it was really slow at first and then slowly you get one and maybe next week you get two and then four and eight and so it's sort of like that so what was your process like reaching out to the alumni in Atlanta before graduating from 
FSU. A little bit of meeting with Brenda, a little bit of uh, me attaching myself to Justin, uh, who is a classmate of mine who knew everyone. So it was sort of like... (laughs) I just attached myself to Justin and and said, you know, I, I know he was going up there. So and he knew everyone because he he was working on shows when we were freshmen and not really even like in the film school yet. He just knew everyone. I just tagged along and introduced myself and shook hands and slept on couches and it was awkward. And uh, but yeah, I mean, that was it. It was it was pretty easy. It's it, everyone was very relaxed and, and happy to help. And everyone was still not so far removed that they also didn't remember what it was like to show up to a city new and, and sort of not know where to start. So it was it was hospitable, for sure. And in general, what is the alumni base like in Atlanta currently? It's good. It's growing. It's um, still pretty small, honestly. I would say that from people who have moved just straight from film school to Atlanta, it's probably about four or five years out. I, the oldest is probably about 28. And then there are people migrating from LA and New York who are the older gen. My main connection that really got me into the industry of lighting and stuff came from Instagram or Instagram. No, yeah, Instagram, IMDB and Instagram. I reached out to someone, but the amount of like creative projects that I do on the side and uh, just working for the sake of like working on people's passion projects. That's like the whole alumni network. So once you moved to Atlanta, what was your process as you first started taking steps to integrate into the industry and find those connections that would get you jobs? There was one alum uh, who works at a small, medium-based production company who had a couple editing jobs. So I reached out to him and he threw me an editing job that way. And also I just sort of put it on the table to everyone. Like if anyone says, hey, do you need a PA? Like I'd be totally willing to do it. And and so just letting people know. The first month you work one job and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> why, did, why did I make this decision? You know, one time I said, someone said like, go shoot, you know, the chorus production company an email, see if they need any help and say my name. And I did. And they were like, hey, the next day, do you want to do equipment returns for 150? And I was like, yeah. So it was just sort of that process of like learning to be a little bit more maybe fearless and also like not afraid of the word no. And you had mentioned that sort of this uh, switch for you um, where things kind of took a turn was that you had reached out in the past. You had found this sort of mentor uh, that worked on Stranger Things. Do you mind kind of going into that? At school, we had this thing uh, where we had to reach out just to someone who had your job and interview them and write a report on them or something. I don't know. I, I sort of approached it thinking it was silly, but I, I did it and I thought it might be good just to reach out to like three people, three or four people and just do the same interview because I figured, well, one's got to catch or one person might. So anyway, I, yeah, I just reached out to him and I asked him, you know, questions about literally just like the lights he they were using on set, what his job was. I didn't even, I really wasn't sure what an SLT was and what the responsibilities of that were when I was first coming up to Atlanta. So just stuff like that. Asked him that and what the days were like and what union work is like and what is a union and what does it do? And like, you know, just everything. I grilled him and he was very giving. Uh, And he uh, said, you know, hey, just, uh, you know, tell me when you're back in Atlanta. So I I moved up to Atlanta. I reached out, had coffee with him and we talked more. And he, he mentioned that he was crewing for a show, which he didn't it was, it was the show, which is Atlanta with uh, uh, Donald Glover. But he didn't mention it was that. He was just saying, I'm crewing a show. Actually, you know what he did? He even brought me 
before I even got the job, he brought me onto the set of Atlanta and just ran me through the equipment. If you have a skill you want to learn, you should just like reach out to someone on IMDb that you know something was shot here in Atlanta. Like you should figure out who did it, reach out to them and see if they'd ever be willing to help. They get to impart the knowledge that they've learned. It makes them feel special. It makes me, you know, it's a mutually beneficial type of thing. So at that point, you're probably starting your transition from PA work, starting into you're living your dreams in the lighting department. So for camera department, you start maybe as like a camera PA or something and you work your way up. Can you talk a little bit about how you started, what you started as and how that kind of transpires upward? Yeah, there's SLTs and there's grips and then there's, you know, best boys and the hirers and the management and there's gaffers. So that's sort of the ladder. And then aside from that, there's rigging gaffers, rigging electrics, but I'm not I'm not the PA of... Uh, grip and electric or of electric but it's the lowest rung on the ladder so that was at least my you usually won't get a full-time job right off the bat and i sort of did sort of didn't i was day plane which is just they'll bring you on for a day when they need you when there's you know a night exterior or some very demanding day where they just need bodies on lights and, and stuff like that so my first day that i truly got to work on Atlanta was like this very overwhelming 17 hour day in a strip club. And it was like a complete overnighter plus more. And I walked away thinking like, I'll never be asked back because generally every single piece of equipment I put my eyes on was new from what was at the film school, which was very intimidating because film school has uh, incandescent stuff, uh, but not like LEDs and they were using all LED stuff. Very overwhelming. And then they had me back a couple days in the next weeks. And then they fired their base camp electrician who runs power to all of the trailers at base camp because he was, I guess, being sketched or not showing up to work. And they offered me that position, which, you know, it's not like the most wanted position. Like if set starting at six, you might have to get there at three with the Teamsters and and meet the trailers. And so it was it was rough. I said I would do it. I just want to be on set with you guys as well. That's amazing. And you'll be happy to know that I hear that FSU is starting to integrate LEDs into their lighting kits. I know. Once we've gone. Exciting. (laughs) But you bring up a very interesting point that I think would be great to touch on is you work with such a specific equipment package at FSU Mm -hmm. and then you'll leave and that package multiplies and you'll realize just how many equipment pieces and Mm -hmm. what is your process of figuring out how to work with different equipment and integrating that from what you've learned at the school? At the beginning, because I was just so green, it was just, it was sort of like sink or swim. So it was, I mean, it was just, you walk onto the truck and thankfully the best boy was very good at like labeling things on the truck. So in any off time I could go on the, it was like a semi, like 48 footer and just look at the lights and try to match names and stuff. And also they like you to look busy if it's slow time. So the best boy would say, Hey, you know, go, go play with lights, go set up lights, look busy. So a producer... (laughs) you know, doesn't cut my men. There were, there were opportunities to set up lights and also to just try to study in the off time. I mean, it was being vigilant, watching other people, making weird eye contact with like all the other, you know, SLTs because I'm just watching them, like trying to <laughs> mimic them and figure out what they're doing. Allowing myself to be the dumb guy and telling people like, I don't know how to do this right off the bat. And then they teach you. Cause like a lot of times if people think you've been around and you're doing something wrong, or if they think you're new and they don't ask questions, they just think you're an idiot and you won't get hired back. I just let them know, listen, I don't know how to do this. Please teach me. And yeah, there are a couple of guys that were really kind enough to take that time. 
you can go to rental warehouses and stuff as well and kind of poke your nose around and ask questions. Um, but really the onset experience of just asking. That's such a good point that you bring up about asking questions and being willing to look dumb out of school is kind of hard. And we talked about this with Lucas, who was our New York aficionado. And he kind of touched on that as well. Just this notion that when you come out of school, you kind of have this, I don't know, confidence built up from everything that you've done. And it takes a minute and it takes a lot of courage, honestly, to be able to be like, the world is a lot, a lot bigger than I expected. Yeah, you'll feel you feel dumb quick. So it's good just to accept it. Okay, so you're currently in the union, which is an amazing feat looking at being less than or just about a year out of school. Do you mind talking us through sort of the unions that exist in Atlanta and how you got to be in the union yourself? Yeah, of course, the main ones I know of are Local 600, which is camera, and there's IATSE 479. The 479 is the local part. Uh, 600 runs throughout U.S. and I think the world. It offers things like, you know, healthcare, a 401k, workers' comp, paternal, maternal leave, that type of thing. So it's a good way to be protected. They negotiate your contracts. They have minimum wage restrictions, so you can't be taken advantage of. And they also represent you if you're working a 17-hour day, you'll hit double overtime and you'll be compensated for that. So that's what the union does in a very run-on sentence. The productions are heavily encouraged to use people who are in the union that can, can still get in trouble if they don't. Uh, what they say it takes to get in is a year and a half of residence plus, what is it, four recommendations, two union recommendations, and two non-union. Uh, you can do all four union. Uh, and then you have to pay an entry fee, which was like a thousand bucks or something, or a little less than a thousand bucks. And then you have to pay your quarterly dues, which are however much they take out of a quarter. And also they take out like 3% of your paycheck and it goes towards the union. So two of the alum that I knew uh, wrote me a recommendation. Maybe the truth was a little stretched about how much they worked with me, but they <laughs> wrote me a recommendation. And then I just raising the money, saving money for PA, and that was what it took. Now for Georgia, they just closed off. Like so, so I was here for six months, um, and I got in. Usually they want a year and a half. I was able to appeal and write a letter, and also they were taking so much money that it was sort of you know the, just the joke around town that they're just kind of taking people's money. They don't really care. But this has changed recently, right? Because you were able to appeal, but apparently that's not the case anymore. Yeah, we just got an email uh, about a month ago that says now you have to have, um, you know, a year and a half residency. Who knows if that'll stick? They certainly let in a lot of people. So I'm sure it's a lot fuller now. And I think some of the older people, you know, were probably getting uncomfortable by how much competition, quote unquote, was, was showing up. Can you tell us a little bit about the things that you've worked on? So I worked on Atlanta, and that was about a two and a half month job. And then there is a show called Insatiable, which is funded by CBS, CBS, but maybe going to Netflix type of thing. And I got on an episode and a half of that, and that carried me through uh, January through February. And then now in the last month and a half, things have been picking up between working on Moon and Me. I got a commercial that I just worked a day on, and then I got two weeks booked on some like discovery investigation channel thing where it's like half cop interviews and half, you know, like vignettes of film stuff. I know every show is different. Every project is different. But for your particular job, what does a typical day look like? My day would be I'd show up around maybe four o'clock to set and I'd go to where the Teamsters were and they were setting up the trailers and stuff. I get on a steak bed truck and unload my kit 
And then I'd set up all the electricity, uh, turn on the generators and get all of the trailers ready for talent, I guess. Uh, <laughs> run to Crafty, say hi to the other electricians. We either get driven to set on, in, you know, transpo van or we're, we're just on set. And uh, then you unload your 40 foot truck and you make a staging area of all your equipment, all your lights and get all the carts off and stuff like that. And as that's going on, obviously you got someone in your ear and a walkie in your ear telling you what's going to happen. And then it's just becomes sort of the same cycle of, you know, blocking rehearsal, this, all right, crew has it, light it, you know, and then it's the time to sprint in with the lights and everything. So it's it's everything from lights coming off the truck, you have to run power to it. And then you usually are on set, you know, standing by lights or trying to not be seen, but be close to a light so that it, all the tweaking can be done. And then you shoot it and you either get lost or watch the actors if it's something fun to watch. And then, you know, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And then I would leave set about an hour early, wrap up the package, put all the trailers on on Jenny's and then uh, go back to set, help them wrap their truck and then go home, take a shower and go to bed. So I know you had mentioned coming out of film school, you had sort of expectations and hopes to become um, a gaffer or working more with light specifically. And now you're kind of doing more electric work. Um, do you feel like you're kind of doing what you want to, to do still? Or are you kind of like expecting or hoping to work your way up from electrician to more of like a gaffing role than from there kind of working to a more creative position? What's your... What are my thoughts? Yeah, what are your thoughts? Like <laughs> how do your expectations or your hopes compare to what you're actually doing? Yeah, in time, I would love to gaff. It's a more creative position where you get to use a more creative part of your brain and learning how to manage a team is another skill set. We had touched on it a little bit when we had talked prior, but there's still a creative community in Atlanta where we're still doing short films. I love doing music, you know, direct little music videos. And so there's just like, I don't know where I'm necessarily going 100%. I don't know in 40 years if I'm going to be, a, you know, a gaffer, if I'll spiral off into something else. It's sort of like following the path of least resistance plus making sure it aligns with what I want to do. Well, how do you feel now? Do you feel fulfilled in um, what you're doing? Or is it something that you feel like you're still kind of coming to figure out? I I, uh, I really enjoy being creative. So being an SLT doesn't fulfill every aspect of that need, that sort of creative flame that every artist has. So I, sometimes I get unhappy with maybe what I'm doing or feel like I should be progressing faster or something. But then it's like, you know, that's like me pushing the timeline of how things naturally progress in life. I feel like very much there's a time and place for everything. So this is a time and place for me to learn. And if my job isn't fulfilling every single creative aspect that I want out of it, maybe it's not supposed to. That means that I should work on other things that are important to me, like, you know, create my own opportunity creatively wise. Yeah, I, and I would say that you seem to share the same sentiments as every almost year out graduate is experiencing currently. So I, you're definitely not alone. And everyone else listening, get ready to experience the amazing void and terrifying fears and excitement that is graduating. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about just living in Atlanta in general. What do you like? What don't you like? I like, well, I like it's compact enough where you can be in the city and do city things and go to, 
go to a cool bar or go, you know, go downtown or find, you know, museum or aquarium or something like that. I also like very much like nature. I just moved from being sort of inside the perimeter down south to near Fayetteville area where Pinewood is. And now I'm, I have a nice yard and I can watch the sunset. And that's very nice too for me. So it offers a lot of opportunity for flip-flopping between like, if I get restless being out in the field, I can go into the city. And so like that, I, I very much enjoyed that where you can kind of have both two and two, maybe a more balanced type of existence. That's, I think that's what I looked for a lot when I was moving here was just like sort of a place that I can find some quiet if I need the quiet. Sure. And can you describe a little bit for those who have not been to Atlanta yet, what the sort of uh, landscape looks like? Um, How do you sort of define areas that, you know, young professionals, especially young filmmakers are like living in? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it kind of scattered throughout the city or are there more like sort of small communities that you find within it? There are, for some reason, I think because just probably the first people from FSU moved to Decatur, but there's a lot of people in Decatur right now, which is just the little city inside the perimeter, a little north, a little east. And so that that was nice, especially moving up, you know, just to have that like, oh, I can go to this friend's house and see them. And it's like, oh, okay, well, everything is changing, but at least there's a familiar face. So, you know, if you're looking to like move up, maybe Decatur or Avondale Estates, but the city's set up where there's the city, there's the perimeter, which is 285, the highway that circles the whole entire city. The uh, studios like Pinewood and some other ones are more on the south uh, side. And what was the housing situation for you like in terms of finding an apartment and where you wanted to live? Uh, it wasn't too terrible to find a place to rent. I do feel like I rented the wrong place because there's just a lot of roaches and stuff. And I can't say it because we uh, negotiated a deal where <laughs> they would give us a little bit of a break on rent if uh, we didn't tell the world how bad they were. But if anyone has a question, you can Facebook me and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> is that a common thing or is it kind of like Tallahassee where it's like, just no. Also, LA has roaches too, so That's just true. get ready for that. It was like 30 years old and the maintenance people were bad and it, they didn't care about the complex. And it was one of those situations where it was just like, we we didn't know, you know, so we you go to the place and you sign and it's so hard to find a place that you, when you don't know the city, you know, everything's new, it's hard to compare. So it's just one of those things where it was like, you ended up picking the wrong one, just like in Tally, where you accidentally picked the wrong house and you're like, oh, this is awful. And I signed a year. So it was just that situation. And also maybe we were trying to save a little money, but there's a place that MK lives, uh, MK is my girlfriend, but she lives, she lived right down the road in Decatur and had a, a phenomenal place, a one by like studio. And it was amazing. So it was just the place. Sure. And how accessible would you say the city is in terms of commute time or getting around from place to place? Mm-hmm. Like when you're on, you know, set time, you're way, you're way out before the traffic hits and you're coming home later than the traffic hits. So people had recommended that I live right by 285, which is, you know, the perimeter highway. And I could just hop on that and and coast anywhere. And I found that really valuable. So that worked out great. If you want to go somewhere around five o'clock or, you know, nine in the morning, I would say don't do it. How do you think Atlanta compares to New York and L.A.? A lot of people have mentioned that it's kind of hard to make the jump between cities. Do you think that that is true or have you felt like you have enough growth potential here that you could probably cross over pretty easily? 
I mean, I moved to Georgia because I felt like it was it was a right fit for me in the sense of like knowing that I wanted to be an SLT. I felt like the work was here uh, just because of the tax benefits and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if I know enough about the other climates. Yeah, that makes sense. And well, what made Atlanta the right fit for you? Right now, LA is sending the films here. New York is sending the films here. Like just like the landscape and knowing like housing is a little bit cheaper. I just got a house outside the perimeter renting it that I could afford on my own just by working. So if you like care about space or like, I, I really like music, I said before, so I have a little like music space that I can use. So like that was a big thing for me as well. Like, okay, I can like make a little home and like actually feel like an adult. It felt like things were pointing me that way. It just sounds like it has a lot of BTL opportunities that maybe LA and New York don't have. I think so. I mean, if 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 you just solely want to like, I want to write for a TV show, I want to be like a PA in an office and like be around that type of thing. Like, I, I'm not entirely sure that's here. If you're someone who like is like, you know, I want to be in camera, I'd be in G&E, like, but I also want to like write and like make my own shorts and like sort of foster the creative community a little bit rather than just have it all be set up, I would say definitely come here because you can be represented by the union and sort of make like a, you know, have a fair wage and then also have maybe some excess money to start spending on your your hobbies or your films that you would like to, you know, create. And then also with like, I guess also with the crew thing, like if you're creative and you know all these crew people, like, okay, I know a guy who has a camera. I know people who do this. I know people who have, you know, camera rig and I have this person who's got a lighting kit. And so it all becomes very easy to build your crew because you just work crew. So right now I don't think too much about, you know, getting paid to write or direct because of my own personal work, I guess, aspirations. But if you're like right out of college, I want to get to that track. Mm, maybe, maybe look at LA and see if there's a better connection. No, I think we, I mean, we appreciate the honesty and that's what people want to know going in. Yeah, you'll be disappointed if you want to come direct right out or want to come right. And I don't think there'll be jobs for you. Or you just have to be willing to create the opportunity for yourself, it sounds like. Absolutely, yeah. Do you have time to work on your own projects or how do you prioritize your own things with uh, working on set since they are such rigorous hours? It's It's a little seasonal here. So when I showed up, in October-ish, you know, I got on Atlanta and that type of thing. Once I was full-time on that, I had only time to breathe and eat, find my bed, and you're, you're sucked in, you're there. Then after that, after January, things sort of wrapped up and it was very slow. And then it's like, all right, well, I'm going to use this time. Like I wrote six songs and demoed them all out. And like, I made a lot of headway with that. And then things started warming up and then you have to balance it a little more. And yeah, I mean, if you're lucky enough to, you know, get a full-time thing, that'll be hard. But, you know, the payoff would be that you show up at the end with a savings account that looks a little nicer and maybe a budget for the next project you're working on. Nice. Um, you've mentioned you're into music a few times now. How has finding sort of a life outside of film been beneficial to just your quality of life, maybe your job in general? It's easy to get sucked into just making film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, my the, my thesis film was like sad boy musician It's because that's was what I felt like. I don't know. I, film school will kick it out of you, man. It'll If you're not careful and you're like have your whole identity in film, it'll suck your soul out but not true sorry I've, I'm, it's not true at all it's true in the sense of like you believe that you believe it's true and then you realize it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know no i mean so i left film school feeling pretty uninspired and drained 
And I think that had to do a lot with how much creativity they asked out of you in such a short period of time. Some people are really good with just forcing out creativity and other people like to sort of sit and wait and think, and oh, maybe that's a good idea. And you sort of let it grow organically. And that by the end, I was just like tapped out. And that was really discouraging. And, you know, I thought like, oh, maybe I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'm just crew person, you know, like maybe I don't have what it takes to be creative. It's been nice as you get further away from, from school and as you work on your life elsewhere, you invest in different things and relationships and people and film and your own hobbies. It all, it all sort of bubbles back up the original creativity you sort of started with. Honestly, I came out of film school being very bitter, maybe. So it's been good to get some space from it and to not feel robbed of being creative. It was it was a really good experience and it was really hard. Going off of this, uh, what do you feel like film school prepared you for in this year of a life that you've experienced in, quote unquote, the real world? Film school was great in understanding the whole process, being able to talk your way you know, like speaking knowledgeably about something and people see like, all right, this person doesn't know everything, but they are not an idiot. So that certainly was good. And the 12 hour day thing didn't throw me for a loop because I had been working that in film school. So that was, that was the same as it ever been. This, this time you're getting paid to do it. Film school fostered a way for me to approach creativity in the sense of like learning the process of filmmaking, the process of how to write a song, the process of writing a script. You know, it's like, you know, sort of turns knowledge into just like a DNA of how you approach situations, just creating anything. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Whoa. What do you wish film school had prepared you for? I mean, I think like they could have talked a little bit more about this. I don't know, maybe this sounds dumb, but just like understanding your worth, like under, like talking a little bit more about like money and, and rates and like how, I don't know, I guess the, I know some people are salaried when they're, uh, writer and stuff, but I think most of us coming out are, are freelancers in the sense and not knowing what was good to be paid, what was bad to be paid, when it was, how to ask, how to invoice things, you know, how to talk to producers, how, you know, just like, that's been a learning curve for me. Yeah, especially I just, you know, sort of half best boy gaffed something and learning how to deal with rental houses and budgeting. But Jay Stone did a pretty good job with budgeting as well. So at the beginning, or, you know, when I first went into FSU, I wanted to direct. And FSU prides itself in teaching people how to tell a story. And I still think, like, absolutely, I left knowing that type of etiquette, you know, which is what I wanted to get away with. It's weird to try, you know. When you first join, you're just like, I'm an artist. And then like the film industry, however much you want it to not be, is a business. So you have to sort of like justify those two things together and figure out how they both work together and don't sour each other. You're like, I'm an artist. And they're like, great, there's uh, this file and this form. And then you need to sign here. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you've been out of school for about a year now. How do you feel overall? I feel good. <laughs> if you if you had asked me eight months ago, I would probably be more worried. But uh, I do feel very good. I feel like I've gotten more certainly out of Atlanta than I thought I was going to get in the first year. I don't know if I could. It's been really good. And I wanted to come and, and learn and be an SLT. And I've gotten to accomplish that. I think it's been good, especially just understanding the rate of growth, putting little milestones that'll make you happy, you know, along the way it has been really 
helpful for staying happy and also just trying to encourage yourself to still stay creative and, and, and surround myself with people who are doing creative things has been really great as well. Oh, I just got warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. What's next for you this upcoming year? What's next for me? Certainly, I would like to learn more, just get on more union shows and and work more and understand more of a process. There just seems to be it. Uh, there just seems to be so much to learn. Even, you know, just you keep learning and there keeps being more new things thrown at you. So definitely that, you know, I, I want to be able to, you know, write and direct a little music video and that'll be like a, another milestone. Like, all right, I after college, I did my creative thing that like I wanted, like I'm going to keep the ball rolling as it was before college and and as will be after. So I think keep on keeping on as unromantic as that is, but <laughs> still trying to be happy and not get too bitter against film. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, I also think it's just, I mean, how old are you, Jared? I am 23. Baby. You're 23. <laughs> so you sound so mature when you say it like that. <laughs> I mean, just keeping in mind, you've been out of school for less than a year. You're 23 I was just entering film school, I think. Yeah. 23, maybe not even. I think it was, yeah, yeah, 23. Maybe I was 24. But you've accomplished so much, so. Yeah, you sound way more mature than we are. Yeah. And we're two years older than you, so there's that. <laughs> Thank you, Jared, so much for joining us. We have learned so much from you, and yes. we really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. We cannot wait to see what 2019 has to hold for you, so. Yay, we're done. Yes, cool. that's it. I'm fried. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, dude, we just like totally stole all of your yes. brain knowledge. So please go eat some ice cream and like lay on the couch yeah. for an hour or something. Unless you're lactose intolerant. In that case, don't do yeah, it. Yeah, really don't do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The New Deal. The third and final part of episode one will cover life and film in Los Angeles. And of course, by episode one, we really mean a new hope. See you next time. This episode of The New Deal was produced by us, Nikki Lee and Catherine Usman. Stay tuned for the dance party commencing in three, two, one.